Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall, how are you? Peachy. Just peachy. peachy. I like that term, peachy. It's one of my favorite emoji, the peach. <laughs> Is that right? It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, you don't hear that. Peachy, peachy king, peachy king. Someone, some older person in my life has, has used that term. How are you? Peachy keen or I'll have to look into that. Never no, mind. I am not peachy keen. I'm strictly peachy. peachy. Just peachy. Gotcha. I'm glad. Glad to hear it. So today, Todd, we were talking about, we, uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago or so we, we did an episode on emotional maturity and, and what mm-hmm. that, what that means, like what the idea of emotional maturity. So I want to, I want to kind of flip this a little bit and talk about emotional immaturity, mm-hmm. specifically how to um, identify emotional immaturity in other people, because I, I don't know about you, but a very strong pattern in a lot of the clients I've seen is basically they're, they're stuck with really immature, emotionally immature partners, spouses, long-term Workers. relationships, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And like, God bless them, but it is really hard to be in a relationship with someone who is emotionally immature. So it's one tough. of the things I frequently think to myself is if only people were a little bit more adept at spotting the signs of someone who's really emotionally immature so that they could avoid getting trapped in or kind of entangled in relationships like that in the first place. Um, so there you or, go. Or, or if you're in a relationship like that, you can at least protect yourself and remain healthy. Yeah. But, but yeah. either way, it's good to be able to kind of, yeah, have a, have a sort of radar detector for yeah. emotional immaturity. Because I think one of the things that we talked about this in the last episode on emotional maturity is it's we kind of, often we make the assumption that if somebody is chronologically mature, they're an adult. If they are intellectually mature, you know, they're well educated, they're smart, right? Maybe they're even socially mature. They're very like socially adept. And, and um, that doesn't just because these characteristics you're high on, that doesn't mean you're also going to be high on emotional maturity. Like um, maturity in general is not a, like an all or nothing thing. You can be, you know, everybody knows there's plenty of people who are super high on intellectual maturity, but they're socially like very immature um, mm-hmm. or w- whatever the other way around. But the point is like, don't let it deceive you. Just because someone's high on these other levels of maturity doesn't mean they are emotionally mature as well. So you want to check for this um, Mm. because it's easy to get swept up by someone who's super intelligent and charming and sophisticated. But then you find out they have the emotional maturity of a 14-year-old boy. (laughs) And that's a a tough, honestly, that's a tough thing to find out three years into a marriage yeah, or or something like that. And so- Or to discover. Or to, or to have exactly. made clear. Yeah. 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 Okay. So when you think about how do you spot someone with emotional immaturity, what, what's your first thing you would look out for? Blame. Blaming phrases. You made me feel um, lots of blaming statements. Or, or you made me feel this way. Um, how could you have, you know, lots of blame that's being thrown around relationship um, kind of lets me know that someone um, maybe doesn't understand how emotions and thoughts work and they're, they're putting um, something that's very much under their control and their responsibility onto me. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think of this as uh, emotional gaslighting sometimes. You're, you know, like the term gaslighting is like uh-huh. make someone think they're crazy, right. <laughs> even though they're not. Uh, uh, right. You, using people, you know, using emotions to make people feel like they're crazy or that it's not okay for them to feel a certain way or like that's, yeah, not a good sign. If someone, if that's like what part of their kind of repertoire and, and how they handle difficult situations is to kind of blame you for how they feel or, or even how you feel, right? Like, no, like you're like, why are you feeling that way? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, eh, that's, yeah, that's, be careful of that. Yeah. That's a good one too. Kind of invalidating your uh, emotional experience as well. That would be a, another, another good one. Yeah. What do you see typically in people who are emotionally immature? Yeah. So I think a really obvious one. Um, well, I don't know. So I, it's one of those things that maybe you can hide for a while, but <laughs> not taking criticism well. So major issues with defensiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one, one of the important distinctions here is everybody gets defensive, right? Nobody loves getting criticized, <laughs> even if <laughs> right. it's constructive, right? It hurts when someone points out a flaw. So like feeling defensive is not the issue. No, no one is immune to that. Right? Mm-hmm. What, what is a major sign of emotional immaturity to me is if people act out their defensiveness in, in mean or, or destructive ways. Right. So you, you know, honey, I asked you if you could try to remember to take out the garbage and you forgot again, would you mind getting it? Why am I always the one who has to take out the garbage? God damn it. Why can't you, you know, just like, yeah. like flying off the cuff. Like, yeah. 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 That, that, that was actually going to be my second is anger. You know, people who really struggle with lots of anger, um, <laughs> tend to not understand, not to be very emotionally mature. Can, okay. Can I clarify that? What sure. if it's that it's not that people struggle with anger. It's that they struggle with aggression. It's what they do with their anger. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a better way to put it. It's their expression of that. Similar emotion. to defensiveness, right? Everybody, everybody yeah. feels defensive, but it's mm-hmm. what do you do when you feel defensive? How do you handle yeah. anger and feeling mm-hmm. angry? Cause a lot of people, uh, emotionally immature people tend to externalize right? There's something that's painful going on inside of them, right? And the way they deal with it or distract from it is they go external, right? It's someone else's fault. They literally physically do something as a way to kind of deal with instead of reflecting and kind of processing and being curious about like, what's going on in me? And like, what are some healthier ways I could deal with that? Whatever. Uh, But they just immediately sort of externalize their anger in particular, but any kind of difficult emotion. Yeah. And and you see that by the yelling, screaming, punching, hitting, um, blaming all of those kind of externalizing, yeah. uh, behaviors are, are, are good giveaways that you might be dealing with someone who's not, um, not well-versed in, in how uh, emotions <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Blame externalizing. Um, and, and just that, that, that language, uh, demands to people who put demands on other people. Um, an example of this, I, we often refer to in, 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 in therapy is, is um, when, when people put a lot of demands on you, the authenticity of the relationship becomes questionable, right? Because um, if, if you and I are doing this podcast because we both like to and we both enjoy it, then we can both enjoy this moment. But if in the back of my head, I'm going, geez, is Nick really just doing this? because I yelled and screamed at him for an hour over the phone to get his ass on the, the, 
the call and, and join in, then I don't get to know whether Nick really enjoys doing this with me or not. You know, it's, it's kind of like that um, when, when people demand that other people say they love them. Well, are you being told that you're loved because the person's voluntarily loving you or because you've just demanded and screamed in their face that they should do that for a while? Yeah. yeah there's an totally. authenticity cost there. And so um, often there's, there's um, you may have um, thoughts and feelings about um, that you might be doing or saying things that you don't necessarily authentically want to do or say. Yeah. Uh, and that might be a good giveaway that you're, you're kind of in a situation with someone who's emotionally immature, if you feel compelled or, or kind of pushed to act inauthentically. Speaking of authenticity, that transitions well to my, my next one, which is they're not willing to be emotionally vulnerable. So here's a common story I hear. Two people that got together, it was amazing, honeymoon phase, sparks, fireworks, super in love, whatever really like that's the oxytocin speaking, you know, they're like flooded with it. They're, they're in love and they're, a lot of but dopamine. Then, yeah. So then, but then, you know, a couple of years down the line, things are a little less exciting. They've sort of settled into a routine and things feel distant. They, we just don't feel as connected as we used to be or whatever, like all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that doesn't just happen because, you know, like you settle down and have kids and stop going out as much on the evenings or whatever. Part of the reason that happens is because you were never as emotionally connected as you thought because mm -hmm. one person is incapable or unwilling of being emotionally vulnerable, of sharing mm -hmm. and talking about how they actually feel. Mm -hmm. And that gets glossed over because in the beginning, there's all these other like fireworks going on that make it feel like um, things are close. But mm -hmm. when you pull those away, you really know, you really start to know. And I hear this all the time from people, like, especially with men, like he just cannot open up or talk about how he's feeling. Right. He always like ends up talking about other people or he just always says, oh, I'm stressed. I'm just always stressed or he, like literally can't talk about emotions and how he feels. So I think that that is something you want to test for <laughs> in, a, in a partner early is like, can someone in very plain, straightforward way, talk about how they're feeling, their emotions. And yeah, well, and, and, and a range of those things too, right? Yeah. Because like what you were saying, in the beginning of a relationship, uh, people often find it easier to talk about how much they love the other person, like the other person, sure. how much fun they have, but maybe they're not able to say, I'm, I was hurt when when this 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 thing happened and i'd like to kind of talk to you and see if we can resolve that right mm -hmm. because it's not only there being effusive and, and verbal with positive emotion but it's also kind of painful emotion grief all those things that you would want um your partner to be a mature about and have conversations about and resolve conflict around as well so I yeah because i think at, at core a lot of people who are emotionally immature are just afraid of painful emotions and because yeah, they're afraid but, of them they don't bring them up they don't talk about them but maybe it, super willing to talk about positive sure. emotions, just not those the, are fun and easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if someone can't or is unwilling to talk about difficult feelings and again, in straightforward language, I, I think about this, like how, how would a six-year-old talk about how they feel? Six-year-old would say, mm. I feel sad. I feel afraid. I'm really mad right now. <laughs> That's good. That is healthy. <laughs> talking about our emotions in a very plain, straightforward way. If mm -hmm. someone can't do that when they need to, that's a problem or mm -hmm. it usually ends up being a problem eventually. Yeah. M my last um, comment might be just conflict. How do they engage in conflict? Mm. Emotionally immature people um, are notoriously bad at healthy conflict. So 
um, if you're unable to resolve problems, yeah. I, I that, like what Jeff, does that look like? Someone who doesn't do conflict well or in a mature way. One of the one of the really common, of course, and this seems obvious, um, common issues I see with couples is that they repeat the same conflicts over and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again. There's no resolution that's made. There's no kind of oh let's 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 just do this in the future. There's no resolution. These these things just don't get resolved. Yeah. You know, um, and that's not a sign of a healthy relationship or a healthy conflict or. Um, if you feel like you're the person in the relationship owning, owning your part in that, and you're really trying to change the pattern, it might be your partner who's not willing to change that pattern or unable or, or emotionally immature there. Um, so that if you have the same fights over and over and over again, yeah. or if it's just your friend and he's chronically late to lunch with you and, and you've talked to, to him about it and you've said, Hey, this really bothers me. I don't have, you know, and, and, and they just cannot kind of comprehend that. And it just keeps going. There's some emotional immaturity yeah. probably there. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of conflict, I think you, you often think of the externalizing conflict, you know, yelling, shouting, even physical abuse. Like obviously mm. that is not a healthy conflict. Not at all. The other yeah. one I hear about a lot is kind of the the opposite of that, which is the silent treatment. <laughs> like when conflict, yeah. yeah, stonewalling. When conflict yeah. comes up, people just like retreat back and yeah. just like refuse to engage. Super bad sign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if not that's an their MO. Yeah. Uh-uh. Like, not a yeah. good idea. That's, and that's a hard, that's a hard thing to change. I, I, I don't know that I can ever, I don't know I've ever heard of an example where an, an adult, a, a mature adult, chronologically mature adult has really changed that kind of a behavior. Like that, I just don't kind of silent, um, silence and, and yeah. stone. I'm not saying it can't happen, but like, if it's that difficult. is someone's pattern, like you have to be really careful about, I wouldn't expect that to change. And can like, you can you really handle that? Like, is that really a workable situation so yeah I, I think that's a that's a tough one um, yeah, it, it, con, uh, couples are often kind of confused when when i let them know man if you can do conflict right you'll be closer at the end of that argument than than further apart yeah no, that seems one. so yeah. foreign you know that right. that the idea that if you can really kind of share and talk about what's going on for each of you um, and listen to your partner that at the end of that conversation you not only have a resolution or, or a, a game plan for handling that but you actually kind of look over at your partner and you're like, wow, you showed up for me and you're willing to do these things. And both of you are kind of acknowledging that in the other person. I mean, conflict is a really good opportunity sometimes to grow closer together. Yeah. And that goes back to that vulnerability piece. Like if you, if you can't be vulnerable, like it's very hard to, yeah. Vulnerability and responsibility, right? Each one of you in that case has to recognize what your part is in that and and, uh, address it. There's another little one that I think goes under the radar when you think about emotional immaturity, but um, reassurance seeking. Mm. There, there are a lot of people who are emotionally immature in the sense that they need other people in order to feel better. They, it's not that they like it. We all, we all, you know, it's nice when someone else helps us feel better. Like that's totally normal sure. and understandable, sure. but there are some people who literally depend on it. They, to the extent that they can't self-soothe or help or do things to help themselves feel better. And so they always, anytime they feel anxious or upset or whatever it is, they have to go to other people and get reassurance from them. And that is a, I know a lot of people for whom that quality even seemed attractive or like cute, mm. right? It's kind of this like savior complex thing. Like this person, they, they really need me, you know, like I'm so oh, helpful yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, that is not going to last. That's going to be real annoying. Fast, yeah. And a lot of resentment is going to build up. 
Yeah, that goes along with the externalizing that we talked about, not only yelling, kicking, screaming, but also Mm -hmm. this kind of need for validation and reassurance constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And the key word there is need, right? Everybody likes that stuff sometimes. You can ask for that even, and that's totally healthy. But if someone needs it to the point where they can't function without that, that's tricky. Yeah. Or they're, they're, you kind of balled up with anxiety unless they're being told they're okay and that they're loved. And yeah, there's that kind of externalization again that, that, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Okay. I got one more quick one. Okay. People who never experiment with new behavior. So this is one of those things I feel like a lot of people are very rigid and it can, it takes a long time to notice that in someone else that because at the beginning, it doesn't seem like that. It's not old, right? It's like, this is this new person. And like, this is how they are. And you're still kind of getting used to each other. But I, one of the things I hear over and over and over again is like, yeah, we're, we're 10, 20 years into a marriage, whatever. And like circumstances change, like life happens, things get different. And my spouse, they still do the exact same things they did 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. They still handle things. This, they don't, they're not, there's a failure to update right? yeah. and like adapt yourself to new circumstances. Like yeah. life as a 25 year old couple, right? without kids and like carefree or whatever. That's like very different than life as, I don't know, 70 year old retirees or as 40 year old, you know, like working parent. Like those are all very different stages of life. And if someone, someone's behavior can't update in response to new circumstances, mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. very bad sign in, in my opinion. Yeah, adaptively so, right? And what you said about being rigid just kind of rings true that this rigidity around, um not trying something or not, not coming to a different resolution or not, not experimenting with uh, better outcomes, uh, better behaviors that might get better outcomes. There's this rigidity. No, I will not change. Yeah. Yeah. Like I guess I see like a simple, just to illustrate a little bit, cause that's kind of a conceptual um, statement there, but I see this a lot with um, pre and post kids. <laughs> so I'll hear a lot of women in particular talk about how their, their husbands don't like all, okay. You have kids you have less free time when you have kids or you should have less free time, right? You have more responsibilities, but there's a lot of the, I hear about a lot of these husbands who just go on like they're, they've got, you know, a kid, two kids, three kids, and they're still just like going to the bar every, you know, evening or whatever, hanging out golfing with their buddies. On, and golfing golf. on Saturday yeah, for six like hours. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're, if you can't or are unwilling to update your behavior as that new life situation uh, uh-huh. occurs, yeah, that's rough. So I think you want to, what you want to do is early on, you want to look for instances of, of people being able to, ha- they, they have a certain way of doing things. And in response to a, a new situation or even a request from you, they're willing to, to try something different. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if they're not like, again, like things are only going to get more intense later on yeah. in a relationship. So like, that's a good thing to look for. I think. So. This is, I'm just all of a sudden realizing I've been very emotionally immature in, in some parts of my life. Thanks for having well, me face that. There's the deal, right? We, <laughs> we all are emotionally immature to some degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you, you the, want the golfing, the golfing on the weekend when it, after a kid is born, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can cop to that now. <laughs> that means I'm yeah. emotionally mature so, though, right? I can own that. You've owned it. Yep. Yep. Fix it. Yeah. But, but that's, that's part of the thing. I mean, that's kind of acknowledge if someone calls you out, what's important is not that like 
you, it like didn't occur to you to like update your behavior, you know, once you had a kid or like once you're married or once, you know, you're retired or whatever. What's important is if that, if it's brought to your attention that that is problematic Mm -hmm. by somebody Mm -hmm. important in your life and you just ignore that and keep on doing the same old thing, that's emotional immaturity, I think. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks. Thanks.